continue in this series titled Focus. And we're looking at these miracles or these signs that John recorded. And he recorded them for a purpose. He says later in the book, the very last verse of John actually, he says, these are written so that you will believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And that through believing, you'll have life. You'll have eternal life in his name. And so we're focusing on Jesus over these next few weeks coming up. I recently finished something that was a two-year journey. I recently finished my master's degree, hashtag humble brag, because <laughs> I'm proud of it. And uh, my wife, my kids are proud of it because they get to see me at night again. They're like, oh yeah, we do have a dad. Uh, he's not just reading or doing papers. And so I, I'm so grateful to be done with it. And since I finished that, I've wanted to focus more on my physical health. Here's the thing, though. I know I need to work out. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. I, when I was in high school and, and middle school, I had to work out for sports. And listen, I'm a beanpole. Like, my, I'm a Q-tip. I'm not a buff guy. So I'm not the guy that's in the weight room like, oh, yeah, put on more. I'm just like, oh, that's great. So happy you can lift that much, you know. Good for you. I know that I need a transformation in my physical health. I want to work out. I want to do all of those things. And here's the thing. Sometimes I think I want to work out so much, I will actually put on a little video or something, right? Or I'll look up a, a workout plan, and I'll go through that. Here's my problem. I want to do it just like the guy on the video who's been working out for probably 17 years, right? And he's eating protein shakes every day or something. I don't know. And, and he's just in like impeccable shape. And I'm like, I can do what he does. And so then I try to do it and I make myself sick. And then the next day I can't walk, right? Like I'm like I'm trying to get up the stairs and I'm just, oh, it's bad. I'm not one of those people that enjoy that feeling. If you are, we'll pray for you at the end of service, okay? But some people, they like to work out, and they're like, yeah, it hurts so good. And I'm like, please teach me how you think like that, because I need that. Sometimes I feel like Shia LaBeouf is in the background, just do it, you know? You ever seen that video? Or Nike is just, or Nike is saying, just do it, just work out. I don't have the motivation. I want to do it. I, 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 kind of, I really need to, but I have no motivation to make the change in my life. I want the transformation. I need it. I just don't want to put in the work to get it done. The word transform, it means to make a marked change. To transform means that there's going to be a marked change in your life. So I ask you, what about you? Have you ever wanted something in your life to change? Have you ever wanted a transformation in your life? Maybe in your finances or in your health or relationships that you have. Maybe you wanted a transformation in your career. Those things where you're like, okay, I can do this. I got the motivation. Maybe I can do it. But what about when it's an area of life where you can't just do it? What about when it's an area of life where we lack the ability in ourselves to make it happen? We lack the ability to transform 
whatever it is. This morning, we're going to look at a story about a man in John who needed a transformation in his life, a physical transformation, but he couldn't do it. I mean, he was literally, it was impossible for him to make this happen. John records a a miracle for us that is going to bring some focus to something this morning, and it's a focus on the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We're going to see this morning not only the transforming power of Christ for this man, but the transforming power of Christ that's available to us. Look with me, John chapter 5, here's what it says. It says, sometimes later, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, called Bethesda in which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well again? Or do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. One of the things that we have to remember as we study scripture, and one of the things that we've said from the beginning of this series, is that John pointed us to facts. That our faith is not based on feelings alone. It's not emotion by itself, but it is based on facts. Facts of Jesus Christ and his life. These aren't just fables or old wives' tales about Jesus Christ, but rather these are true, actual stories that took place, real places. This story in particular, though, has been disputed as being an actual fact up until the late 1800s. I have a picture I want to show you of how the Bible depicted, uh, especially in this story, Jerusalem in that day. And in this picture, you'll see that there was the Temple Mount, then there was the Pool of Israel, and then right by the Pool of Israel was the Sheep Gate that we just read about. This was the gate where the sheep went through, okay? I don't know how they came up with the name, but, you know, (laughs) they weren't very creative, I guess. Sheep Gate was right there beside the Pool of Israel. And then over here in this location, you have Bethesda, which is where our story takes place. The problem was, up until 1888, they had not discovered the pool of Bethesda. And so scholars would look and say, all right, well, we have the foundation of the temple, because it was destroyed in AD 70, so we have the foundation of the temple, we can see that, it's there, but this story that John tells us says it took place at Bethesda, at some pools, but we have no evidence of that. So therefore, the story must not be true. Therefore, we can't trust John. So how can we trust the Bible? Well, in 1888, wouldn't you know it, archaeologists archaeologists discovered 
remains of the pool of Bethesda. It was just like the Bible described. There were pools that were separated by a wall. And the next picture shows it took them about 100 years to actually excavate the entire site. What was amazing is over time, uh, they've built structures around the pools where they were. They've built churches, all kinds of things. And so they discovered this in 1888. Here's what's crazy. Parts of the pool are actually 13 meters deep. Now, I don't know why the blind guys and the lame guys and the paralyzed guys all hung out at a pool that was 13 meters deep, right? Sounds like a bit of a safety hazard. I don't know. But they did. And they would hang out around this pool. And, and why do we go through all the extent to talk about this? Because we must remember that Jesus Christ was a real man who went to real places where we can still go today. And he touched the lives of real people. Not just fairy tales. And, and reality is, when you, if you grow up in church, you can think sometimes of these stories as like fairy tale things. Like, oh, is it real or not? They're real. And they're provided for us so that we can learn from them. So I want you to imagine the setting in your mind that day. Let's go back to that day. Jesus is on his way to the temple, but he makes a pit stop first. He takes a pause in his day, a time out, if you will, in his day to transform the life of one man. Because see, here's the truth of Jesus. Jesus often went to forgotten people in forgotten places. He did. Bethesda was located near the temple, but not in the temple. Jesus was going to the temple. And the reality is, for the life of Jesus, when you read it all throughout the Gospels, Jesus did some of his best work outside of the temple where the religious people couldn't stop him. Jesus went to the sick, he went to the lame, he went to the hurting, he pursued broken people. Jesus was a friend of the outcast. These five colonnades or five porches, you got to think about this, it probably had hundreds of broken people just laying all around that day. It probably smelled bad, it probably looked pretty dirty. There was probably sounds of people living in pain, living in discomfort from all of their ailments. Listen, it wasn't a place for the reputable leaders of society and the high class of society. And Jesus says, that's where I want to be. You see, one of our values as a church is that we will reach forgotten people in forgotten places. And it's not just a cute slogan we've made up so that we can get likes on Instagram or printed on t-shirts. No, 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 no. It is who we are because it is who God the Father is represented by Jesus Christ. He went to forgotten people in forgotten places. That's why we, we cleared out this whole place and we packed in 10 tons of vegetables and 1,000 loaves of bread and we just gave it away because we wanted people to know, you know what, you're not forgotten. Even though you may be hungry and times are hard, Jesus loves you and here's just a little food to help you along the way. 
will reach forgotten people in forgotten places. It's why we have RFK coming up and we talk about it so much, Royal Family Kids Camp. It's because we want orphaned and vulnerable children who probably feel like they've been forgotten, that they've been misplaced, they've been neglected. We're going to shut down the church, all the systems and stuff. No, we'll pause on it just for a little bit, but so that we can love on some kids and show them that they matter to Jesus Christ. That's why we stand up and we say, hey, buy them a birthday gift. Because Jesus went to forgotten people in forgotten places. And the reality is this morning, maybe some of you here, you felt like, you know what? I'm just forgotten. No one sees, no one cares. Does anyone even know what's happening in my life? And here's the reality. Jesus is here this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as he walked by that man that day, he is in this place this morning. And he's telling you, you're not forgotten. You're not overlooked. You haven't been neglected or abandoned. But I love you. I see you. And I'm here with John tells us of all the people that were there that day that Jesus focuses in on this one man. I don't know why this one man, but he just does, the one guy. Because you see, Christ's transforming power is not limited by our brokenness. And this guy was broken. The transforming power of Jesus Christ is not limited by our brokenness. We don't know this man's name. He's not given a name in the Bible. We do know he suffers physically in his body. The Bible says he's an invalid. That word in Greek, it, it, it is used to describe a sickness, an illness, or a disease that causes paralysis. Don't know what it was, but he had suffered with it for 38 years. Maybe he was 38 years old and it was from birth, or maybe he had something later in life and now he's an older man who suffered for 38 years, but he's suffering physically. Not only physically, but he suffers relationally because he tells Jesus, sir, I have no one to help me. He felt alone, isolated. Not only does he suffer relationally, but he also suffers emotionally. He is without hope because his words are everyone else gets there first like there's no hope man like i can't get down there i, I it, i'm not gonna make it and did you catch jesus's question to him in the text jesus asked him do you want to get well do you want to get well it's a really simple question that is kind of rhetorical and it's like well duh i mean i'm <laughs> just Kind of been here a while, Jesus, uh, you would think, yeah, of course, he wants to be well. And while we may be separated from this story by time and geography and even situation, maybe you're not a paralyzed person sitting by a pool begging this morning, and even though that may separate us, I believe that just like him, we can find ourselves in situations of life where we feel helpless, we feel hopeless, and we feel broken. Just as Jesus came to him and asked him, do you want to get well? Jesus is here asking you the same question today. Do you want to be made well? Can I show you my transforming power? 
It's not a one and done, like I raised my hand, said a prayer, now I'm saved. No, 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 no. It is a process of transformation that we are all in the middle of and that Jesus is doing. He's transforming us into the image of himself. The man's response to Jesus' question is very, very interesting. Look, verse 7, it says, when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. What is he talking about, the water being stirred? Well, some of your Bibles, if you read it and you had your Bible, maybe... It included verse 4, and maybe it did not. There's a reason for that. It's our earliest, most reliable copies of the book of John actually do not contain verse 4. Verse 4 is not there. Most scholars believe that it was added at a later point to describe what this man was talking about. But verse 4 speaks of a supposed angel that would come down and would move the waters of the pool and if someone got into the pool, they might could be healed. Now, there's no evidence of this actually happening. Most scholars believe that the water was possibly stirred by, who knows, but some natural phenomenon. They're really not sure. Nonetheless, here's the point. This man at least believed that if he could get into the pool, something might could change in his life. He believed that. That was his perspective, that was his view, and he had such a limited view that was based on his own experiences of life. Whew. And Jesus wants to radically shape his, his preconceived ideas of what is possible. Because the man says, dude, of course I want to get well, but I can't get down there where the well happens. I can't do it. And Jesus wants to shake his view of what is possible. John chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. All right, now I have a little exercise for us. You ready? It's halfway through the sermon, so this will kind of wake you up. It's okay to laugh. It's just a joke. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do. We got more people over here. So let's do from this far left section all the way to Pastor Joel, okay? When I say three, I'm going to go one, two, three. You guys are going to yell, get up, just like you're late for school and your mom is coming in to wake you up, okay? I'm not playing. Y'all ready? Okay, here we go. We're going to count to three and yell, get up, all together. Here we go. One, two, three. Get up. That was awesome, man, you guys, amazing. Much better than the first service. Shh, don't tell him I said that. Okay, all right, now from right here all the way to Sir Evans, we're gonna say, pick up your mat, okay? So we got get up, pick up your mat. You ready? One, two, three. Pick up your mat. There you go. Man, y'all are awesome. Okay, last section right over here. You got it easy, two words and walk. You ready? You go, don't let them show you up, okay? Because they're pretty loud. Here we go. One, two, three. And walk. That was good. That was so nice. Okay. All right, let's do it all together. I'm just going to point and let's do it. You ready? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Here we go. One, two, three. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Man, it's awesome. 
Jesus looked at the man and he said, get up. This word, it means to rise. It means to awaken. And the reality is this morning, no matter how you came into this place and how you may be feeling, the power of Jesus Christ can speak these words to you today, to your empty soul or to your soul that's tired, to your soul that maybe feels like I'm broken and there's a heavy weight. Jesus can say to you this morning, get up. It's the power of his words that does this, and it's amazing to see. He's speaking to a man who's in a paralyzed state. He can't get up. Maybe Jesus is like, listen, I know it's been this way for 38 years, but things are about to change. Get up. I remember when I was 16 years old, and I had ran from God my whole life. I wanted to do my own thing. I was hurt because my dad left when I was seven years old. I was looking for fulfillment in all of these areas, trying to get people to like me, trying to substance abuse, girls, all this stuff, trying to do all of these things so that I could feel loved and accepted. And one night in my bedroom, Jesus said, Aaron, I still love you. You've ran from me, but it does not matter. I am here. Get up. Get up. I can point to so many times in life where the Holy Spirit in one way or another has spoken and said, get up. Get up from the past. Get up from your brokenness and your weakness and your hopelessness. Because see, here's the thing. With Jesus, he says, you were once powerless, but now you have met the most powerful one of all. He has the power to transform. He has the power to make the marked change that we need in our lives. And he's speaking to us and he's saying, get up. Not only does he say, get up, but he says, pick up your mat. Why is that important and why is the mat significant? Well, here's the thing. The mat the paralyzed man had... Um, he wouldn't work out on, ironically enough, but <laughs> it was something that he would use most likely to lay on in the day, to lay on in the night, to sit on, just to provide some sort of relief in his life. Relief from the ailments, relief from the sand and the dirt and the heat of the first century and all of those things. And you know, sometimes in life, we will look for things to bring us relief from our state of brokenness. I've done it. We all do it at times. We look at substances. We look at people. We look at all these different things that we think, oh, it'll bring some relief. But it leaves a hole in our heart. But Jesus comes and he transforms this man's life. And then he tells him, pick up your mat and walk. If you read this entire story of chapter 5, that phrase, pick up your mat and walk, occurs at least five times, depending on the translation you read. So as you're studying your Bible, look for repetition. It's there for a reason. What was the reason that Jesus had for this man who is now walking and whole to pick up his mat and take it with him? 
Why would Jesus tell him to do that? Well, here's it why. Because it is evidence of the miracle that Jesus performed for this man. It's part of his story is why Jesus said, pick up your mat. Probably that man, like most of us, would have just said, well, I'll just leave that at the pool. Ugh, it's dirty. It, I don't want to talk. I, I, I don't want to mess with that. See, I don't want to go back to when I was seven years old, Jesus, and talk about to a counselor all of my problems that I have because of my abandonment with my father and all of those things. No, 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 no. We're going to sweep that under the rug and just we'll leave that at the pool. And Jesus says, no, that's part of your story. Why? Just the same reason Paul says in Corinthians that sometimes we suffer and we go through things in life that are hard simply because of the world we live in. I don't know why at times things happen and bad things happen, but it happens in what Corinthians says is that then so that we experience the power, the comfort of God, watch this, and then we can comfort others in their distress. So somewhere, there's a boy who needs to understand that even though you might have been neglected and abandoned, it's okay. You can get married and love your wife unconditionally. You can raise your kids to love Jesus. And thank God I had some men in my life that pulled me underneath their wings and said, let me show you what it means to be a man that loves Jesus Christ. It's part of your story when we want to leave all of our brokenness and everything of our past behind and just say, oh, we'll sweep that under the rug. Let's not talk about what happened in July because that was a little weird. (laughs) Let's just sweep that under the rug. And Jesus says, no, 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 I want to transform. I want you to get up from your brokenness and then I want you to pick up your mat, take it with you and walk because it's part of your story. It's part of what Jesus has done in your life. Jesus is going to use that mat for his glory to reach other people. He will. First, he deals with us. He says, get up, get up, get up. Let my power transform you and make you whole. And here's the reality. This is a process, guys. Please don't don't miss that. This is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Jesus is transforming us into the image of his son. What is your mat? What is your mat? What's the part of your story that you're just like, I want to leave that at the pool? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Pick it up. Walk with it. Let me deal with the bitterness and the unforgiveness, Aaron, that you have. Let me deal with all of those things that you just don't want to deal with. Because somebody else is going to need what you have. Somebody else is going to need to know my love. And simply, all you have to do, Aaron, is just tell them your story. When we witness to people, we don't have to know all the answers. Show them your mat. Man, I was broken. One day I met Jesus. Show him your mat. He takes off running, walking, changed, transformed. The marked change that only Jesus Christ could bring. 
I want you to see one more thing this morning that's so vital and important to this whole story that we just can't miss. It's important for us as a church as well. John chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, verse 9 says, At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. Wow. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, Whoa! Guys, come here! This is the paralyzed guy that used to hang out by the pool. Look, you're walking! What? What? I need new glasses. This guy's walking. How long were you at that pool? He was there 38 years. Come here, give me a hug. What happened? Nope. They went full on Karen mode. Look what he said. is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. What do you think you're doing? If you don't know what a Karen is, go Google it. I'm sorry if I offend you. Pray for me. I'm in the process. <laughs> they, all they could see was the mat. They couldn't celebrate with the man. They could not rejoice. Whoo, guys, Jesus got me on this one this week. Because you see, a superior mindset keeps us from recognizing and celebrating the transformational change happening in others. If I think I am better than you, for whatever reason, then I won't celebrate. I can't recognize transformation. All I want to do is like, Ugh, do you see how he treats his kids? Well, you know what, honey? I'd have a dad to show me how to do it. Cut me some grace. Do you see his attitude towards people? Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe if you knew a little bit about his mat and his story and the transformational process that he's going through, maybe we wouldn't be so quick to judge and harsh to people. You see, the religious leaders, they saw themselves as superior. Superior mindsets can come from a lot of different places in our lives, just to name a few. We can develop a superior mindset because of injustice. Something was done wrong to me by that person, by that race of people, by that culture. Therefore, now, because of that injustice, I am better than you and you are less than me. Help us, Lord. We can develop a superior mindset because of our prejudice, because of our culture, socioeconomic status. You could go on and on and on and on and on. Where we live, what we drive, what school our kids go to, we could go on and on. Basically, the superior mindset says, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Where I grew up, my grandfather was still a very racist and prejudiced man. Small town Arkansas, small town Texas. He said words that you can't say anymore. Like, Pepaw, you can't say that. 
you can get beat up and killed. Don't say that. I didn't even realize subconsciously I also had those prejudice and those racist, the, that, those racist tendencies in my heart and in my life. And when I got saved, and, and I, I had to let Jesus deal with that. Get up. It's a transformation. Get up, Aaron. For the Pharisees, their superior mindset came from their own self-righteousness. In other words, I'm better than you because I keep all the rules and then some. Their hearts were far from God, okay? Far from God. But outwardly, I'm better than you because I keep all the rules. That's why they hated Jesus. Because he kept the rules, yes, he was, he was a good man. He, was, he followed the old covenant, he followed the law. But he went to the people no one wanted to go to prostitute, the drunkard, the tax collector, that was Jesus. He didn't, he didn't give in to their superior mindsets. Here's the thing we have to remember, church, the only one who is superior is God. Only God. In his eyes, we are all equals. The church, us, the body of Christ. May we celebrate transformation when it happens in people's lives, even if it's a slow process. May we celebrate the drug addict who has been changed and he's not doing drugs anymore. May we give him a hug and say, praise God. And may we even love the one who's still struggling in his addiction. May we love him. And we welcome the man whose mind is filled with lust, who was caught in the act of adultery, and welcome the man as well whose mind is pure and he loves his wife and his children like he should. May we welcome them both and love them both. May we celebrate the mother who has neglected her children for years. And instead of gossiping about her to our friends, may we start loving them even when she just barely begins to make a change and when she fails may we be the first ones there to say sweetie we love you what can we do as a church how can we wrap our arms around you and help you even when it's late at night when it's in the middle of the day if we have to go somewhere where maybe people don't look like us come on somebody where we have to go somewhere where everybody talks different than us that's okay because we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ My prayer is that we, North Place, we continue to do this. We're already doing it, but we continue to welcome the ones who look different than us, speak a different language than us, come from a different culture than we we do. May we welcome them and rejoice when Jesus begins to transform their life. May we rejoice. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning and just close your eyes right where you are. prayer for you this morning and for this week has been, God, first off, may we hear your voice speak to us and say, do you want to get well? For some of you today, maybe in your soul, in your spirit, you know you're not right with God. And when I say that, I mean Jesus is not the Lord of your life. 
you haven't committed your life to him and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe you're the son of God and I give you my life. Today he's saying, do you want to get well? He's saying, get up. Rise up. Awaken this morning. If you're here this morning and you say, I know Jesus, but you know what? Life's been hard, man. I, I have felt like this guy, helpless and hopeless and broken. And Jesus is here this morning and he's saying, get up, get up. I know it's physically impossible for that to happen, but only the power of Jesus can touch your life and say, marked change and transformation in your life so that you can then pick up your mat and walk so that then you can encourage others with your story for some of you today you have a story and it could be you've served Jesus your entire life that's an amazing story it's beautiful it could be that you've served Jesus only for like a month You've been through some pain and some heartache. God wants to use that story to reach others. To show them his love. The same love that you've experienced. My prayer this morning is that North Place, we continue to celebrate the transformation that happens in people's lives. Father, we love you today. And God, I thank you for your church for your body that was broken for us and resurrected three days later to bring the best transformation of all, salvation. Lord, I pray today for those who feel like this man by the pool, maybe they feel broken, helpless, and hopeless. God, bring wholeness to them today in the name of Jesus. Bring wholeness to them this week, this month, let them see it's a process. I pray that we, the church, would wrap our arms around one another and love one another through this entire journey. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray.